This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. One of the big questions is what is money? practical purposes, it exists in a series of uh, heterogeneous databases, very different databases. Do you believe in crypto? Digital currency may be an answer. But it is the highly speculative asset. Uh, I do own Bitcoin. There is no second past. Welcome to the Crypto Curious Podcast, proudly brought to you by the Bamboo app. Crypto Curious is your go-to source for all things cryptocurrency. Whether you're a seasoned pro or new to the world of crypto, we've got you covered. Each week, we'll break down the top news stories of the past seven days, giving you the information you need to stay on top of the latest trends and developments. Plus, we'll share quick bites of news and insights that you won't want to miss. If you're new to the crypto world, we recommend starting with our early episodes where we break down the basics and give you a solid foundation to understand the crypto world. Join us as we explore the ever-evolving world of cryptocurrency and educate ourselves along the way. In this week's episode, we'll start off with a look at how the market is this May. We'll also take a look under the hood at the number one stablecoin, Tether, and Craig and I keep good on our word and do some research on the current rise of BRC20 tokens, plus some interesting regulation developments, and as always, the short, sharp news bites. My name's Tracy, and I'm joined by the boys, Craig and Blake. Welcome to the podcast today, guys. How are you going? Good, mate. How are you? Very well. How's it going, Craig? Good. I've been in the rabbit hole with the BRC20, which we'll get to, but it has been expensive. (laughs) And um, <laughs> long journey, a lot of waiting, but we'll get we'll get there. Looking forward to hearing all about that. So let's crack into it. Let's have a little look at how the markets are going for May. Starting off with Bitcoin. Bitcoin's down ten percent for the last month, sitting at around twenty seven thousand, and Ethereum is also down thirteen percent, hovering around that eighteen hundred mark. So we have had a pullback, Blake, but that's healthy. We're expecting that. Everyone says. May go away, come back. Sell in May, go away. Sell in May, go away, come back another day. It was in October. So this is healthy. We're happy with this correction right now. What are your thoughts? Well, we've seen so much price appreciation over the past six months or, or you know, a little bit less, five months. You know, I think it's just fair that crypto needs to chill out for a little bit. I can't go up always forever. Mm-hmm. As much uh, as we'd love it yeah, to. Yeah, as much as we'd love it to. It needs to chill out, um, find a new base, and then, you know, hopefully go on to appreciating price later in the year. So, yeah, it's just doing its thing as it usually does. Possible pullback a little bit more, or you think, who knows? Oh, I hope so. Crazy. Yeah. Volatility is our friend, you know? Getting a little bit lower. Well, we hope so. I think, um, yeah, I think it's clear that maybe, maybe, this is me completely speculating, by the way, guys, but it's clear that the bottom peak panic is past us. That was, la- that was late last year. And I think, yeah, as Blake said, we're starting to form a new base. Ethereum has been at 1800, which feels like a long time, and Bitcoin sort of stayed above 25k for a while so it seems this is the new base trace mm. the bottom's in there you're yeah, at first here on the crypto curious <laughs> calling it again there we go i've said this every single week for <laughs> three years two three years um 
you know, I'll be right eventually, but that's okay. All right. Well, let's move on. As I mentioned, Tether, the issuer of USD stablecoin, has dropped an overview of its Q1 financials this week, and it was interesting. So let's talk about a few things that we've come to learn about Tether. Blake, you want to start us off? Yeah, for sure. So so everyone knows Tether was the first stablecoin to market. Um, they were the first ones to um, you know, create a, a, a trading pair between the US dollar and cryptocurrency before that Bitcoin was the reserve currency. Everything was traded against Bitcoin. And, you know, lots of the guys that were involved in a project called Bitfinex, which is a, a quite a prominent um, trading exchange or, or was quite prominent, um, decided to spin out the, the Tether project. And of course, Tether has been the number one stablecoin pretty much all the way through since I think 2015 or 2016. And um, it's come more into prominence over the past six months because we've seen so many issues with US banks. Mm. Um, people have gravitated away from USDC and Paxos gold that we spoke about where you know, they stopped issuing the, the, the stablecoin there, the one that was uh, affiliated with Binance. Um, so they've been able to gain market share. And as a result, they've reported all-time high reserves of their their own crypto, about $2.4 billion. Phenomenal. Um, Tether's Q1 net profit was $1.5 billion US dollars. And for comparison, BlackRock, um, which is an, uh, the world's largest asset manager um, for Q1, only generated $1.16 billion, which just goes to show the efficiency of the technology and the scale and distribution of their product. Yes, massive. As well as that, 85% of the reserves um, that... Tether holds, so they have one digital token to one US dollar, but they don't just sit on, you know, whatever eighty billion dollars of, of US dollars. They also have cash and non-cash equivalents, um, and things like gold and, and crypto as well to back those reserves. So yeah, they're doing incredibly well as they start to dominate market share again. That is pretty awesome. So what else did we learn about Tether, Craig? Yeah, so we learned that. This is the first time that they've made their Bitcoin and gold reserves public knowledge. They have $1.5 billion in BTC, which is about 1.8% of their um, assets. And the majority of their assets, $53 billion, is held in US Treasury bills. Now, question for you, Blake. You mentioned before that the all-time high in reserves is $2.44 billion, but the market cap is $80 billion. So that would mean... That's a suggestion that they have eighty-two billion in assets and seventy-nine billion in liabilities. What does that What does that even mean? Yeah, so they, if they have eighty-two billion dollars in assets and seventy-nine billion in liabilities, it just means the difference between that is additional assets that the company owns. Um, so and that equates to about two and a half billion dollars. So you know, it means if everyone calls back their their you know wants to redeem their their tether for dollars. Um, at the end of the day, that'd still be $2.4 billion up. And, you know, for these guys to continue to be a dominant player, they'll just continue to increase that, you know, ex those extra assets on their balance sheet. But is if the liabilities are on a $79 billion, what would their liabilities be? Their liabilities are to their customers. So if everyone oh, redeemed... Okay. Got you, yes. So you've got a digital representation on one side of your ledger, yep. and on the other side of the ledger, you have so a Who's holding that? So they have $79 billion that are being held by their customers and they have $81 billion in the back end. So if someone came at once and took everything out, they need to have that there. So if it's gone. Yes. Isn't that crazy that, the, you know, Tether have all not always had a 
dodgy reputation, but people always used to say like, it's never backed, it's never backed. Because I don't think that people knew where it was coming from. Yeah, yeah, that was the main issue and I think these these sort of reports are helping. Well, this is why something like this coming out to light is so important and we just talked about this. So this was audited by BDO, you were saying, Blake? That's right. So, of course, um, your tether, it it looks like they took the strategy of of never getting US banking because they saw too many risks there. So they've, they, from day one, they decided to have offshore banking. And then as a result of that, there was some ambiguity about, you know, who, if the assets or the the token was actually backed. And there was Mm. a lot of fear, uncertainty and doubt that we call FUD um, that was spread about tether. Um, But, um, you know, they're slowly... Um, move towards, you know, becoming audible. Um, and, you know, BDO has done that for a long time. No one wanted to audit them because uh, there's too much reputational risk from the auditor's point of view to do such a thing. And they've been able to convince, um, obviously, BDO to do one now. And, um, yeah, I think uh, they're just going strength to strength. And those you know, narratives around FUD behind Tether are just diminishing. Yeah, and it's clear that they've won or winning the stablecoin wars, mm. like Circles, USDC, they depegged from the US dollar the other month. As Blake mentioned, Paxos stopped issuing Binance's BUSD. We had UST, which was in the top five at one stage, mm. which was the Luna stablecoin, which, as we know, is no longer gone to zero. So Tether, you know, the first market advantage, and now they've sort of staked their claim as the the big dogs. Number one, yeah. And it might be just worth quickly mentioning there that Die. Um, mm. which is an algorithmic stablecoin, also lost its peg in the shenanigans earlier this year. So, um, you know, it seems that Tether was the, the strongest one through the volatility and that really attracts capital because capital goes where it's treated best. And just to just to finish this off there, bear in mind, this wasn't a full audit based on a complete access of Tether's books. Um, it was a third-party snapshot of the financials at one point in time and that was the 31st of March. So it could all be a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Ye of little faith. Just a little disclaimer there. Love it. So our next story, folks, BRC20 tokens. We mentioned this last week and we promised that we would go away and do some research because this is fresh, this is new, and this is being talked about in the crypto community. And there's some lovers and there's some haters. But BRC20 tokens, we need to explain exactly what these are because Craig and myself have been all across this for the last seven days, and it took me the first three days to work out exactly what they are, but we're going to tell you a little bit more about them so you can make up your own mind. Craig, tell us exactly what a BRC20 token is. So the best way to describe a BRC20 token would be a token that's built on top of the Bitcoin blockchain. Now, as we know, Bitcoin's main use is a peer-to-peer cash, quote-unquote, or digital gold. And people have now worked out how to launch a token off of the Bitcoin blockchain. Now, it's quite similar to an ERC-20 token, which is Pepe, Uniswap, MakerDAO are all tokens built on top of Ethereum because that's the Ethereum use case is that you can build smart contracts. Now... An anonymous developer called Domo, he introduced the BRC20 token in, I think, around two months ago in March when we first covered it. Um, And it's basically a smart contract token, which is nowhere near as powerful as Ethereum, built on top of Bitcoin. So that's the premise of BRC20 tokens. So 
the caveat here is when I was jumping in and doing the research, I jumped onto crypto YouTube, which is so Full many pumps, pumpers yep. and dumpers. But I went through and, you know, onboarded to a BRC20 wallet, which is there's two to choose from, Unisat and Ordinal wallet. And it cost me around $50 US and it sort of reminded me of when I was first playing around on Arbitrum and on other Ethereum tokens when the gas was really high, the network was congested. Me and Tracy had Bitcoin stuck for like three days um, and it's just showing, you know, the amount of people that are flocking to to try it out. Yeah. Did you guys go cheap on your transaction fees? We went cheap. We're just playing around. <laughs> we We're having a little cheap. go here. But I think it's yeah. worth going back a step to say, why was this being talked about? Why were we giving it a go? And like anything that's new and exciting, there was a lot of people making a lot of money in the last oh, yeah. month, wasn't yeah. there? Which is why that it's been in the news because um, all the meme tokens came across and started trading on here and people were making exorbitant amount of money very quickly on here. The one to mention was the Audi token, which was one of the first BRC20 inscriptions, mm. which pretty much means a mint on the Bitcoin network. And you could um, mint slash inscribe $3 worth and that was worth 1200 bucks. Mm. So people made... Uh, you know, there was a maximum that you could mint, but, you know, you made an 800x there. So these sort of numbers are what mm. the YouTubers are spruiking and then everyone's sort of jumping on. But one thing to mention that is sort of good about these new sort of protocols and these new things that pop up is that it's almost worth playing around just in case you get an airdrop. Mm. So like what, I'm, what I've been doing is I've put in a couple of hundred bucks. I'm doing everything on each wallet. It might never happen, but after I got the Arbitrum airdrop, I've sort of think that it's a good way for protocols to get adoption. So that could be worth doing, Trace. Yeah, well, we've both played around on both of those wallets now, but they are very, very... Um, clunky, hard to clunky. use. Like we said, you know, both of us had our transactions waiting. I think mine took three days to come through when I inscribed me and my family's name on a little transaction and bought some Audi and whatever else we've done on those. But, you know, there it was crashing. One of them was down for a day as well. You have to reconnect your wallet. Um, you know, I didn't put a lot in there because I was scared that I would potentially lose what had gone on there. Um, but it is also... You know, all of a sudden, there's a thousand new meme coins that and popped. It just feels it feels dirty. It doesn't feel quite right. And I want to talk about now quickly the commentary in the marketplace around this because you know we love the bankless guys, and they um, they jumped on there and they they were talking about this and. They're both having a laugh about it. They were like, "What is this? What is going on here?" But at the same time, they were they were looking at. Um, other people in the marketplace commentate, commentating on it and a lot of the miners were loving it because they're getting a lot of fees here. But then a lot of other devs were like, we've got to get rid of this. We've got to shut this down. So there's two big camps, the people that love it and the people that hate it. But their take on it was look through all the rubbish that's on there right now um, and, you know, this is DeFi on Bitcoin. This is a momentous occasion in time. Look at what is happening right now. Will the technology allow for, you know, DeFi-like activities even though that you know the the way that it's set up there's lots of constraints well that's what they're saying that the boys were talking about on bankless they're saying that there's a couple of other projects that may be able to help here and make this um, a use case in a couple of DeFi 
in certain ways. So it's just the start and it's just the start of, you know, limitless possibilities. You know, unfortunately it started with, you know, Pepe and Newt and whatever else is on there. But again, that's how it started on Ethereum as well, wasn't it? This is how it all started. I, mean, I don't know if meme coin started on Ethereum. It started skanky. Like when yeah. I start when I first bridged to Arbitrum, I put in one F, I remember. And I put in 0.1 into 10 projects and I got rugged on nine of them. And Arbitrum a year and a half later turned out to be a, you know, it's it's the it's the it's the leader in mm. the layer two space. Mm, okay. But I want to mention as well, this is like a very weird dynamic because the Bitcoin maxis hate NFTs with a passion. They hate they even hate Ethereum, they hate the shit coins, and now the whole space is on Bitcoin. So there's a lot of people who absolutely despise what's happening and they can't believe the fees. And there's, you know, other people, like the bankless guys who sort of say, you know what, this could be a thing, but it's in its infancy. So, And I was just about to, you know, say there's a lot of people out there saying, you know, it's going to fade away in a matter of months, but then Binance has announced that it will um, support Bitcoin ordinals, allowing users to trade Bitcoin NFTs using their Binance account. So that's a big move from Binance as well. Huge. And I just want to finish up. The BRC20 space is worth a minuscule amount of what the ERC20 space is. So I think ERC, the, all the Ethereum tokens, is worth like $115 billion market cap or something. And BRC is $500 million, So like it is early days. I think it's worth checking out because it's obviously the biggest crypto and another use case for Bitcoin. But... Just be ready for a horrible user experience. Yes, we can attest to that. There you go. That's our round out, guys. Hopefully, we've answered a few questions. If not, shoot us an email and um, we'll try and get back to you. Get in the Facebook group and we'll have a chat about it. In the Facebook group. There you go. Send us a message. Moving on to some rules and regulation news. We know it's not always fun news. Uh, It's not the exciting stuff that you want to hear about, but rules and regulations are what shape our industry. So it's really important that we do keep up to date with what's going on. And this week had a few twists and turns. So first up, at a hearing in Washington last Wednesday, Republican and Democrat lawmakers failed to find common ground over the extent to which new regulation is needed for digital assets. Their main difficulty is deciding on whether a token should be considered a security or a commodity. If the former, then regulation jurisdiction would be given to the SCC. If the latter, it would go to the Commodities Future Trading Commission. And obviously, we're all hoping for the latter. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep up to date with what goes on there. What's up next, Blake? Yeah. So in Texas, they're kind of the regulation in the US is a bit of piecemeal. Texas lawmakers voted overwhelmingly in favor of an update to the state's Bill of Rights to include the right of people to own, hold, and use digital assets. And there's been such a massive growth in the crypto industry in Texas, particularly in Austin, where um, you know some of the industry's biggest funds are. There's dozens and or even maybe hundreds of startups there. Um, so I can understand why they're moving in this direction. It just shows that everyone's doing it a little bit differently. Yeah, and the Florida governor, actually, Ron DeSantis, he banned... CBDCs to be used in the state as well. So the two states there, Texas and Florida, get getting around it. But on Thursday, the US Chamber of Commerce slammed the SEC for its regulation by enforcement approach towards the digital asset industry, sort of echoing what Coinbase has been complaining about. Um, the Chamber of Commerce filed 
a support for Coinbase in the exchange's ongoing court petition to get the security regulator to clarify the rules. They said, The SEC has deliberately muddied the waters by claiming sweeping authority over digital assets while deploying a haphazard enforcement-based approach. He said, This regulatory chaos is by design. So he's pretty much saying that, you know, they're not making the rules clear and then they're, you know, stamping down on Coinbase and Coinbase are like... You know, they're just, they're just trying to play pickleball. It's back to that pickleball example. They don't, yeah. know, they don't know the rules and they're getting in trouble for it. So yeah. it's good that the Chamber of Commerce is um, backing up Coinbase there. Yeah, for sure. And just like leading on from that in relation to Coinbase, you know, we mentioned in the last couple of weeks that Coinbase um, you know, did a big video online and they started to sue the SEC to get clarity on the regulatory landscape. So we saw some headlines say that the US SEC asked a judge to deny Coinbase's request to compel the agency to respond to rulemaking petition that the company submitted last year uh, to you know, get more clarity on the laws that apply to cryptocurrencies. Um, in an April petition, Coinbase demanded the federal courts um, to instruct the SEC to act and issue clear guidelines for crypto exchanges and companies. Um, and in his in its response um, released Monday evening in New York, the SEC alleged Coinbase has no right um, to request the SEC for that sort of clarity. Which it just seems you have no right to clarity. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 absolutely ridiculous. And I think just in summary here, um, it's just an absolute shambles. States are trying to do their own things. The regulators are fighting with who should regulate this. The SEC is muddying the waters. The there's a Senate committee trying to you know get get the um you know the federal agencies to do their job. And then there's you know other organizations, industry organizations like the Chamber of Commerce, that's also, um, you know, putting a ticket in, trying to trying to get clarity and bat for industry. And it's just an absolute shambles. And is it really any better here, Blake? Because I see Senator Bragg saying one thing on LinkedIn and then another thing's going on here. I mean, I'm not sure if we're really much clearer here. Yeah, you're, def- you're definitely right. The scale is certainly different, but we, you know, we hear we hear one camp wanting one thing, another camp wanting one thing, you know, industry wanting another. And then you know, there's different, of course, segments of industry that think the rules and the regulations should be set up differently. So, yeah, we, it's certainly mirrored here. Um, we still don't have regulation. It seems that the only people who have nailed it are the Europeans. It's This is just crazy. It's like Coinbase are just begging for answers and they're just refusing to tell them what's going but on. But to be to be fair, if you read further in that release, the SEC came out and said, look, hey, Kraken took their medicine and just dealt with it, so why can't you guys? I think the issue is Coinbase is listed, no? I know. I think the issue is Coinbase is saying, well, I'm sorry, but we're, we're not just going to take it. This isn't fair. This isn't good enough. We're- they're taking a stand on behalf. Of uh-huh. the industry, industry. yeah. Mm, interesting. Okay. Yeah. You know what? I was trying to find a good heading from now on when we do these rules and regulations news. Maybe we can have some kind of song about it being a shambles. Craig, you want to get on the we decks? Yeah, we can do a jingle. Let's do a jingle about summarising things being <laughs> yeah, a shambles. Funny. Excellent. Let's do that. And I think it's time for a break. And when we come back, our short, sharp news bites. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome back. You're listening to the Crypto Curious Podcast, and it's time for our short, sharp news bites this week. I'll kick off first. NFT project Boss Beauties has partnered with Barbie. This partnership happened actually last year, but they followed up now launching with Mattel a latest range of NFTs, which is very brave for them right now when the NFT marketplace is not looking too good. But this dropped last week. It actually sold out in two days. Um, I did actually grab one myself and these are looking great. Did you? I did, I did grab one, yeah. So is it a rare one? What is it? I did get one rare. There's four in a pack. Um, they were really really cheap. I think that's when, you, when you're going to drop an NFT project when it's in the depths of NFT winter, you need to make them pretty cheap. Um, but the, the, the website was schmick. The marketing was great. And they really are, though, going for a much younger audience, um, you know, trying to, hit, trying to pick up that, um, that Barbie younger youth market. Uh, obviously got the movie coming out later this year with Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie. But again, NFT projects selling out in two days. So that's really good news for the market. What's up next? The numbers are in um, from an organization called PitchBook. They collect data on um, venture capital and investment um, company people investing into companies. And they've shown that um, over the last quarter, there's been $2.6 billion invested in crypto projects um, in about 353 investments. Uh, so it seems like you know, even though we're in bear market, there's still companies innovating, attracting capital, um, and looking to grow their business as we move into um, hopefully more prosperous times next year. It's great news. Another one, guys, Richard Hart, who is one of the most controversial characters in crypto Twitter. His project Pulse Chain is live after almost two years of waiting. Richard is the guy behind the Hex token. He has his self-proclaimed Hex army, but he also has equally amount of skeptics in the community which is probably us three on the podcast, but that's okay. We'll cover it anyway. Pulse Chain is the latest venture. It's an Ethereum fork. He promises that it will have faster transactions, lower fees, and fee-burning capabilities. However, doubts in the crypto market surrounding Richard's past, and in particular the handling of funds, have caused a bit of apprehension among potential investors. Guys, what are your thoughts on this one? I think we'll just leave it there, hey? Yeah, just leave it there. Yeah, let's just leave that one <laughs> Full there. stop. Mm. Okay, up next, a shocking case where a French citizen was fined and jailed for buying a Ferrari in Morocco but using Bitcoin. So this was an illegal purchase. He has been put in jail for 18 months. He has appealed and he has lost and he is now in jail. So um, obviously, you know, everywhere's got different laws. Cryptocurrency is illegal there. And yeah, he won't be driving his car for a while. So, you know, we're talking about different rules and regulations in different areas. And this guy is headed off to jail. So very unfortunate well, for that Well, the guy. deems of arrest was that he used payment with foreign currency on Moroccan territory, which is illegal, apparently. Mm. Okay. What's up next? 
The IRS, whose equivalent to the ATO here in Australia, is looking to claw back $44 billion worth of claims from the now bankrupt FTX. Um, the largest claim was for $20 billion from Alameda Research um, for unpaid partnership what's taxes. A, what's a partnership tax? I don't know, but it sounds like it's a costly. Um, it looks like this is a bit of a bit of a you know, money grab from the IRS, uh, you know, trying to kick a dog when it's down. Um, you know, we, we reported in the last couple of weeks that FTX may have you know, cl- been able to claw back enough funds to relaunch the exchange. Um, but after this, um, you know, obviously shareholders and creditors um, should be you know, pretty concerned, I'd say. Because this, this claim would take priority over... Exactly. It'd take priority over creditors and oh shareholders, of course. This so. goes from bad to worse at the moment. Crazy. So another one is Uniswap have beat out centralized exchange Coinbase in trading volume in April. Now, we've covered this in the past, but this is the fourth consecutive month that it's surpassed Coinbase. And this is probably mainly due to the Pepe meme coin season. Although both exchange volumes have declined since February, Uniswap has still remained ahead of Coinbase. And it's probably important to mention that Coinbase is a centralized exchange, employs 3,700 people, and Uniswap has 60 decentralized and only 60 employees. So I think it's always worth highlighting here, ladies and gentlemen, about the efficiencies created with your smart contracts. We can see quite clearly day to night that, you know, there's 200, 300x employees in Coinbase to deliver the same amount of volume um, to customers. And as a result, the costs are very high on platforms like Coinbase versus on platforms like Uniswap. And, you know, I think it's you know, sensible to say that, you know, much of the trading volume moving forward into the future um, will end up being decentralized just because the efficiencies that can be created and the cost um, savings can be passed on to consumers and investors. And not only that, I think if there's one thing people have learned from last year is that decentralized platforms are also a bit of peace of mind as well compared to these bigger guys? Well, it depends. You know, just as many dodgy mm. decentralized mm. exchanges and and you know, other tooling in the decentralized world goes down. Um, so I don't think it's as cut and dry as that. I think either way, you have to be careful. Yeah, and I, I guess the trade-off there is that we could make a token on Uniswap tomorrow and there's no vetting process. There's no, you know, there's, there's nothing stopping us from doing that. We can make a meme coin, Blake coin now in 30 seconds. But with Coinbase, at least there is some sort of vetting process. They're going to make sure that the project is somewhat sound before listing it. So, Didn't Coinbase yeah. uh, list Pepe? Well, <laughs> I guess the point we're making, Tracy, is that there is a place for both of them. Yes, I, the I, I do understand the point you're making. Yep. All right, moving on. So Binance has launched its first metaverse reality TV show called Build the Block. We spoke last week about another reality TV show. I think that one was in real life called Shark Tank. But this one is a uh, metaverse first. So Binance bringing that one to life, featuring 12 innovative startups. So something else. Again, I'm not sure how we go about popping our VR goggles on and watching that one, but um, Binance kicking goals in the metaverse. We'll see how that one goes. All right. Next up, we have Worldcoin. Uh, they came to prominence. Um, Only a few months ago. Yeah. Only- oh, no, I heard about them about 12 months ago. Okay. Yeah. And they raised a heap of cash from all the tier one VCs. And it's to develop a global currency um, where 
uh, I think it's something to do with iris scanning. You have to scan your iris and, and then you get issued with a little bit of crypto. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my gosh. And I, as I understand it, I might be wrong, but the vision was that in every town they would put this like eye scanner so you could go up and scan your eye and then get issued your world coins. Anyway, San Altman, the CEO and founder of um, ChatGPT um, that's come to prominence over the last few months, has led – uh, a round of a hundred million dollars into this project. Wow! So, I'm connecting some dots here, and I'm getting a little scared, <laughs> honestly. So yeah, it would be really interesting to see um, why Sam's been, you know, supporting mm. this project and and led the round, or at least um, contributed to it in some way. Um, but yeah, this is happening, and uh, maybe check it out. Uh, we'll leave the link in the show oh, notes. Oh my gosh, interesting. No one's putting their eyes up for grabs for a company called Worldcoin. That is, that is scary stuff. Okay. All right. And that's, I think we'll leave it there, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> on that interesting bit of information about WorldCoin. Thank you for listening along this week for all the news. We'll be back next week with no doubt a heap more news. Please do join us in the Crypto Curious community on Facebook or, again, send us some emails along to podcast at getbamboo.io. Make sure you are following along and hitting the subscribe button so that you get the podcast each Wednesday and you're not missing out. Thanks for listening and tune in next week. Bye for now. See you guys. See you guys. Crypto Curious is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Crypto Curious are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Mates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act of 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Crypto Curious acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 